podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 96. We've got a great up, we got a great episode today. Lee DeForest is a guy I kind of followed on the internet. Um, and then I reached out to him. He's got some great books. He's got some great ideas. I know you're gonna love today's podcast. Um, I know sometimes people think they're long, but geez, I, I, I can't get, I, I can't stop asking questions. I can't stop delving into all these coaches I'm having on. And that's why these podcasts, some of them are becoming an hour. I'm not going to cut it off. I'm not going to make it 23 minutes because that's what you're supposed to do. I'm going to, you know, we're going to get every question answered. So um, that's why you've got that fast forward button or that rewind button. Um, I just think it's really important. But before I get to that, I want you to go over and look, check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. If you're looking for resources, you're looking for a mentor, if you're freaking out about the season starting, it is the place that you want to be. We're starting all sorts of cool stuff. I think by the time this one goes up, the end of August, we should have our weight program up. We're working on practice plans. Those are going to be going up. There's a vast amount of resources. You can just you can go over and look and see what we're offering at, at, on our website. I, I list it all. You know, it's a great place to find everything you want, not only a mentor, but resources. So go over and check it out. If you're liking these podcasts, I would ask that you go over and give us five stars. I would ask that you please go over um, and leave a review. I know that's a difficult thing, and I don't do it a lot, but we would surely appreciate it. Um, and it makes me be able to, to sit in my office right now in the dark to do this. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's Lee. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Um, geez, I'm just even trying to think. I think we're going to be in the mid-90s by the time I get yours all queued up. Um, so let's the way I like doing these is I, I like turning it over to you first. I I have everybody send their resumes, and okay. you can, yours is quite impressive. I, I mean, I could start. I could first of all, my wife went to St. Thomas. There's one in Minneapolis too, so there's lots mm -hmm. of St. Thomases. I'm guessing, but yeah. I'm going through this, and it's like it would literally take me ten minutes. It's a very impressive. Your basketball journey is. I'm going to ask you to to not give me the full version. Right. <laughs> to give me no, we don't have time. I, it's <laughs> a minute version. Dance version. Um, you have to learn how to do that when you're, uh, you know, I've been trying to interview for a job or two, and that's always what uh, the AD always asks. You know, where to start at. So uh, I appreciate yep. you having me on here, Coach. Oh, this will this will be fun. I've had this has been. I I started this about six months ago. I I was kind of doing it, and I started about six months ago. It's been so much fun. Um. I have one coming up in two weeks where I did Don Showalter. It's like all these people that I kind of know, I know, but I don't know because they're right. all in the world. Like I followed your stuff on Twitter and, and seen yeah. it for so long that you know, I figured I'll just reach out to everybody and probably about 80% of them stick, which is pretty impressive. So well, hey, I appreciate it. Don Showalter, a uh, little more impressive than me. I appreciate you having me on here. He's an amazing coach. I've heard him speak at a lot of different clinics, but, as for me and my background, I uh, most recently I was at uh, I was at St. Thomas, as you saw, as a volunteer. This year, I'm going to be at Angelo State uh, Division Two out here in the Lone Star Conference uh, in St. Angelo, Texas. But coached uh, you know high school uh, nine years, um, just and coached AAU basketball. So I really have a heart for uh, coaches that 
you know, I just heard you talking about what you need to do with your team over the summer. It's a 24 seven job. And I just, I love talking to coaches. I love talking about, you know, the journey. I mean, most recently, uh, you know, after we won the state title in 2011, um, and I can talk about this with, uh, you know, some younger coaches, I, I knew I was a little bit burnt out at that point. Um, I don't know. I, at one point I thought that that wasn't possible. Uh, you know, that you could never burn out. Like I was like, no, you just, you just have to dedicate, you know, and, uh, but I knew that's what it was. So I took a step back uh, and I was thinking about trying to get back into college. Uh, but I had a English, uh, English was my major and sort of promised to uh, parts of my family that I would uh, eventually, when I was younger, I wanted to go to law school. And then I decided, Hey, uh, maybe I should, you know, give that a shot. My whole goal was uh, let me go to law school, make a lot of money. Then I'll go and be a basketball coach full time. And I won't, I love teaching, but you know, um, <laughs> it's a vile poverty. If you teach English and you're trying to, do, if you really do your job, you're grading, you know, 120 papers a night and it's, it's difficult. So, uh, well, I tell people, I tell people I've taught, I've taught for 30 years. I tell people the one reason I will stop te- teaching. It's not the kids. Kids haven't really changed. It's not the parents. It's not that it's the grading. It's like laundry. It never ends. It's not just grading anymore. It's how did you get that grade? And you right. need to fix yourself. <laughs> yeah. It, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like, the, it, yeah. And I, and I'm a math teacher. So I have figured out that I've graded like 750,000 different things in the 30 plus years. It's crazy. I mean, it's the best part about summer. I mean, it's busy, if not busier during the summer with all the basketball and stuff, but I'm not great. What you want to do. It's I'm, what you love to do. Yeah. So, I'm not, I'm not great. Yeah. I know. I know you've never done this, looked at a practice plan in class or anything like that. No, there's been a few scouting. times. Oh, I know, of course. I mean, <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to do this full time. So uh, I thought I would step out and I, you know, went and graduated and that was cool. And now I'm getting an opportunity to try to get back in at the college level here um, with uh, a great coaching staff and they've been really successful. And uh, so I'm just, I'm really lucky where I'm at right now that I'm able able to do that so, so yeah a lot of weird journey so so tell me a little bit like you were in the army for a while yeah yeah I was in six years uh, I was in the reserve while I was coaching you know okay. might have led part of the burn <laughs> yeah. no I was going to you know going to drill on the weekends once a month and in the summers between balancing the uh, summer camps and you know you have your own camps at the high school and then I had to go and do you know service but I usually did that um you know, when we weren't doing team stuff, you know, right out of try to do it early in uh, July and then, uh, that kind of thing. It's different in Kentucky as far as our dead community. And I, and I think the key, I think the key to not burning out, this is for the bunch of the young coaches, because I've done it for 30 years. I've been a head coach for 20 plus. You got to do something. You got to have something. You got to have more than just basketball as your outlet. You will burn out if it's just basketball. You know, I agree. About five, four or five years ago, I started coaching volleyball. And then I, you know, I kind of started my business and it's like, and, and I'm still doing everything else I was doing, you know, and we've been just as successful. I've been blessed, but it, it, it's a distraction like this, like doing this and talking this. I love this. I would do this every night if I could, um, you know, the kids are in bed, whatever, but right. it, it, it's a distraction. This isn't work for me. This is a relaxing thing. Cause we're talking hoops. Um, so yeah, that that's what a bit of advice for all the young coaches listening. It's like, yes, you got to put the time in, you got to put the ninety-hour weeks in, you got to oh, do yeah. all that. 
when you're, but there's a point where if you want to do it for, if you're running the marathon, you got to know mile 20 is coming up. <laughs> and if you yeah, do that's it. I, I was going to, I was coaching uh, the AAU teams and coaching all the middle school teams and I, and then trying to do the varsity thing too. And I mean, I loved it. I love doing it. Um, I, you know, I think if I was in a different position, maybe it, it just in the – you have to find the right situation too. Uh, and we don't need to get into – Yeah, well, and I'm telling you, that's the key. Like, like I have a – the reason we've won is I've had great players and I've had a great staff and I've had great administration. My guys are down in – so we're, we're located – for people listening, we're located in Madison, Wisconsin, which is the capital of, of Wisconsin. It's about 300,000, 400,000 people. We go to Milwaukee, which is about a million with a suburban area. So my right. guys go down on Tuesdays and Thursdays and play in Milwaukee. I don't go. I send them with my assistants. I go watch my daughter play, my gym awesome. with my – you know, because I don't need to do that anymore because right. they fire me, I'll go fishing. And, you know, well, and, true, and, and at the same time, it's I, I've been around some head coaches with experience like you. I think you want to get away and let them hear another voice for a while too because uh, – not to tune you out. Not well, that's a that little bit of my secret sauce too. Is like this: the summers, I'll be me bonding with them and kidding with them. And you know, I went to one game on Saturday. I won't go back. I can't watch it. It's like uh-huh. it, it stresses me. It stresses them. They're not being kids. They don't need. Uh-huh. They, they just gotta go play. You know, go yeah. play, and we'll work on skill work and do all that kind right. of stuff. But it makes um, sense. Yeah, and but every but these young guys again, the ones listening. You don't have to do everything, but you got to find people in that inner circle you trust. Um, yeah, I agree. And that, that's why when you think about it, I know when I was 21, 22, uh, I, I was reading every book I could find. I remember I read all John Wooden stuff. Look, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You read everything. And the one quote I remember at the time that didn't make a lot of sense where he said, the most important word in the English language is moderation or balance. And you're like, balance? What? You got, you know, and you don't really think about it. And I guess in one way, um, you know, he worked himself up from where he started. He he was he lost a lot of games and then was really successful at UCLA. Right. You know, and I mean, you can look at the history of where he started. Because once he got it going, he got it going. But you do have to be, I think, unbalanced for a small amount of time. You do. You and that's what you're talking about. That, that's, yeah. that's the parent in me, too. It's like, I'm going to tell my kids, that go the 20s, you should figure. I mean, it's part right. of what I didn't do, but I yeah. love basketball so much. I just, everything was basketball in my 20s, yeah. which is fine. It worked out for me. But yeah. 20s should be when you go try stuff. Go, go, so. go backpack through Europe. Go, <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, I'm serious. It's, this is more than about basketball. Right. And that you're right. That's a point in your life that if this is really something you want to do, and there's a lot of people listening that want to be college coaches, want to be head high school coaches, you know, want to do something, then then yes, your 20s is the time to do it. Go work every yeah. camp you can work. That's up. when you make your connections, and it's all about your network, and that's where you're going to find the job. And then you have to take some jobs that maybe you don't want. I mean, a lot of the jobs are open, and it's not because they're good jobs. I mean, the first job I had. Uh, they wanted one game the year before we won three, which, you know, I look at as a 300% improvement, right. Uh, you know, and you have to do that. You know, you're 23, 23 years old. Uh, you're not going to get the state, you know, you have to prove yourself. And a lot of it is figuring out how to win with less talent, keeping the games competitive. And then you take the next challenge of having right. some more talent. You can't play the same way you have, you know, cause it's boring for those, you know, it, it's all, a, it's a, if you look for, um, if you're looking for a challenge or problems that change on a day-to-day basis, I think basketball coaching is great. Right. I mean, when I got my job, I was the only applicant. They had had six winning seasons in 45 years. 
I mean, now we're probably the winningest pro, one of the winningest programs in the state of Wisconsin. It didn't have, first of all, I did get an NBA kid to come through. So that helps. Don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Me. But, but it was a slow, it wasn't overnight. It was slow. Right. You know, we wanted to just win games. And then, you know, once, once the train gets out of the station, you, a yeah. lot of other things can happen. You have to have an administration that will relax yes. with you and you have to have good parents along the way. And, and there's uh, all those I mean, things. a lot of that goes with what you've developed. I mean, I know that nothing happens by accident. Right. So tell me a little bit, like, I cannot believe all. So first of all, tell me how you got into the Princeton thing. Sure. I'm a Dartmouth, well, I played, I'm a Dartmouth grad. So oh, I'll be okay with you talking about Princeton, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> well, I didn't go to Princeton, but uh, I played for a coach that, you know how it goes. Um, once you learn a style, they you kind of hand it down. And I yep. played for a coach that did that in college. And I learned uh, a lot about it, but not necessarily how to coach it. Um, you know, because just because you know the things, you don't really know the – yeah, you know, the thinking behind it when you're a player. And then I got with him. And that's a big thing for the people listening, too. Being a player – and I was a pretty – I was a good player. I played college basketball, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. being a player and being a coach are totally different things. So those of you that are in your twenties and early's and I was a great player, you were, but, but the great players, I never thought when I was playing, I just played. Right. I did what the coach told me. Game. You didn't think what the best shot every time down, what the, your teammates, what position they'll play best in, what plays you can run in certain situations. There's just right. a whole different, and you don't even want to get into uh, teaching. That's like a whole other how you teach somebody because knowing what they need to push them to the next level but not overwhelm them and meeting them where they're at, that's like a a lifetime skill that some people have. And I mean, you just have to keep practicing it. That is such a different thing. It's crazy. I'm I'm over 50. I've taught for 30 plus, uh, almost 30 years, and I feel like I'm just getting the gist of teaching. Like in my classroom, I feel like I'm just turning the corner. Like, yeah, this it's is starting to work. You know, <laughs> 30 years. So, yeah. yeah. Teaching a pivot. Well, we do what we learn, right? You right. learn, you mimic the master, they say. I mean, you, whatever they do, you mimic that. And they use the same lingo, use the same language. Yeah. Um, but the reasoning behind it and why, you don't really understand it. You're just doing it because of comfort. Because, you know, that's what they yelled at you to do. And you're going to yell at them to do it. And it's sort of an ego thing. Like, I know I'm right. That's what they told me to do. And once you get, I think, and you talk to young coaches, I think once you get through a point of uh, self-confidence where you're like, I'm okay, I can do this job, you really start to learn more and be more acceptive of uh, the fact that you don't know anything. I mean, I don't know anything. I've been, like, you know, we've been doing it forever. (laughs) And once you reach that point where you're like, I'm not really sure about everything and I'm still open to learning. I mean, that's when, when you see the greatest coaches in the world show up with, you know, notebooks at clinics to watch high school clinics. And um, that's something that you always have to do. Right. And I think it's two things for the people listening. I think you got to feel good in your own skin. Like I'm okay. You know, and part of that is I've done everything I can do, whatever. I feel fine in it. I'm just going to go coach what I got to do. But you have to, you know, things change. I've had teams that have scored 90 points a game. Last year, we averaged like 37. It, part yeah. of it is don't do the newest, flashiest thing necessarily. Find no. something that fits you well or fits yeah. your kids well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think I see this a lot, and you probably do too, and I always try to tell any – I'm not a sage. I'm not you know handing out advice. But anytime I talk to coaches that are interested in learning – 
that want to know or email me. I think don't look for the newest thing. Don't look for the, you know, the trendy thing. Look for the right thing. And that is a whole different skill. What's the right thing to do? And you'll, you'll know. And I think it always has to do with the players. Do the right thing with your, that fits your players. You have to adapt. I, I don't agree with coaches that say, hey, just be yourself. And, you know, right. and I mean, at some point, yes, but you still need to stretch a little. Like right. if, you're not, if you're not vocal and you're not a good leader and you don't like to work hard, You've got to change if you want to stay in this business. You have to be able to talk to kids. You have to be able to teach. You have and, to talk to them differently than you did 30 yeah. years ago, too. That's just, you're changing all the time, right? <laughs> the things I, mean, I did 30 years ago, I would be like, I'd be fishing if I did them right yeah, now. I mean, the things have just – It's always. Yeah, it's, 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 it's exactly. averaging. Let's get back to the Princeton thing. Sure, so, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah okay. I played in it. I love, uh, the, I love the style. I love the system. Um, I probably wouldn't do it a hunt like – I put the whole system in. I put the matchup zone. We ran every underneath, every side, every single element that they ran into it. We did the philosophy. This was before they, the dribble drive got really, uh, you know, three. We want a three-point shot or we want a drive, you know. And that's sort of what Kareel did before the three-point line. He right. was taking your post out and shooting the outside shot, or he was backdoor cut in, posting up. And I love that style. I think it's really flexible. I think if you watch the NBA – all the uh, – if you watch the horn sets, uh, if you watch some of the corner offense that Adelman, Adelman ran when he was at Minnesota, yep. there's a lot of variations. The Kings used to run it with Weber and Devok. So it's been around for a and, long time. And, 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 you know, Bo Ryan's a big swing guy, but a lot yeah. of his stuff is the guys are outside. There's a lot, I mean, he got out of that swing. I used to run yeah. flex swing. But then, you know, he's gotten out of that – he got out of that before he, he retired that, you know, that – those big guys being able to step out, being able to cut to the basket. Yeah, that was his famous uh, that swing offense with the UCLA cut. And then yeah. the flip. That was cool. I, I love that. I, we ran that at one of the colleges I was at as a sort of a secondary top. It's a good continuity. I think in today's game, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to run things like flex, things like uh, just constant continuities, just the way that the kids want to play. Everybody, there's such a premium on dribbling now in – I have the time when they said a good what used to be a good screen, it's illegal now. Right. So you know, so, so you so really give, give the coaches that are listening kind of the tell them because there's there's people listening to this that won't even have know no what idea. Offense is. No oh, idea. Okay. Well, to start with, the way that you run the Princeton, it's based off emotion. Of it's based on a read and react type of system. What happens is wherever the ball is located kind of is a, serves as a trigger to tell you what action to run. Right. So in a way, it's like six different interchangeable sets. They flow into one another and back. So you can go from chin into five out, back into chin, for example. Right. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you can email me and I'll, I'll shoot it to you. Uh, but um, that you can run these different sets and they flow into one another. And what it focuses on is big time spacing. A lot of it is four out. You um, but you have to have a center that has some skills. Uh, there's different adjustments you can make if you don't want your center handling. So how it. is this different than read and react? Read and react. Can, sure. Read and react. Well, read and react. A, I, I like the read and react, but the problem is you wait. The defense sort of dictates what you can do. Like right. if, if they play here, you do this. Is the read here? I can tell. I can dictate. For example, we can run a we can run a set, and I can dictate who I want to catch the ball where and isolate. So if you're switching, I can do something. If you have a, if you try to do, no matter what you try to do, even if I have a great player, I can isolate. 
I can post you up. I can get threes. I can run sets. If you sag, here's the general philosophy is if you sag, we screen. If you pressure, we back cut. Right. And so you mix in back cuts. You mix in screens. It just really keeps the defense basically chasing you. And once you get the defense on the run, you want to keep them on the run. That's the right. that's philosophy yeah and that's and, and read and react does that a little bit in the sense that mm-hmm. it's just it, it, you know there's so many layers to the read and react it's just I don't yeah know. yeah it's i love the high po- listen i don't care what level i was coaching i would i mean i saw the Cavs do it last year score four straight times it's like a it's a high post rub it's you hit the you hit the big at the elbow you go act like you're screening hard for the next man away from you and they and then they backdoor cut and the guy that set the screen pops out and it's basically an isolation. It's there's a lot of different things you can do that people think. I think people think the Princeton is a slowdown game, but they ran an NBA. Right, and it's not. You pick out once you know the whole system. It's like anything. Once you have the encyclopedia, you look at your players, you look at their strengths, and you say, okay, we're going to run this set, this set, and this set because it takes advantage. Maybe you have a guard that can post. You can run it. Maybe you have a wing that's not a great shooter. You put him as a screener. You know, there's a lot of different things. Or you have a great shooter and use them as a screener. It just right. depends on what you want to do philosophy-wise. But you're able to – the reason I like it different than the read and react is because I can adapt it, I feel like, much more to my personnel. And I never have to do anything different. If you press me, if you play if you play zone, if you do – all the principles are still effective, in other words. We're always right. trying to get threes first. We always try to get drives. We always try to post. And that's sort of the way you play. And um, that's you know, the game. The game's pretty simple. That's why. Yeah, it, is, you it, know. <laughs> it really is. I mean, the actions, the weak side, uh, like the weak side UCLA screen off the ball reversals, unique to the Princeton. It's that chin cut. Yep. Um, it, it's it's unique. The really the Princeton is the only one that, that does that. And there's a lot of ball screen actions you can run out of it. I mean, we had quick one, quick two. I mean, we did a lot of different things because we wanted to keep the defense, you know, off balance. It's not. It doesn't have to be a set offense. Like, you know, like a lot right. of teams come down and you call a set, then you execute. And if the other coach is any good, he's scouted yeah. you. And he's like, hey, they're doing. But this offense, what I liked about it is I could say, I could come down and yell out whatever, chin, get in chin. And we'd be in it. I'd watch what the defense is doing. And then I could yell out to our guys, hey, ice Justin. And so boom, boom, boom. And we would get something off. You know, I like that ability to be, have a set, but adaptable within a possession. Instead right. of calling timeout and saying, hey, we need to do this, and then the other coach goes zone, and you're like, okay, you know, you know right. you're know, you able to – you know, it's whoever gets to go last, you know. And, right. It's it's 18 that. different – yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing that I like about the Princeton, the way that I taught it and the way that our players were able to execute it. And it's been really special for me when I hear from coaches that have said they tried it the way we t- – you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. But we did it where all the perimeters are interchangeable and the posts have a role. So it's basically learn only two positions. Right. And, and it makes it easier, I think. And ball screens have become such a big part. I mean, at least they have in, around our area. Ball screens For are sure. huge. And, you know, Everything. Yeah. And I'm not sure kids are trying to create. And, yeah. and there's a plenty of, like, like this offense, I mean, there's, all, there's, there's more ball screens set in the middle of the floor. There's not – there's side pick and roll action off of uh, cuts there's not a lot of uh, slot screens or things like that but the NBA you know the players like to do there but um, yeah I love the ball screen stuff is good I don't know what you call the action with the side pick and roll where the guy feels behind where you're right. driving it middle they call that shake yeah. I don't know what you call that 
that's against manners. We don't, and we don't set. I mean, the, the, to be honest, we don't set a lot of ball screens because, yeah. you know, um, a lot of athletic kids, they jump it really hard and kids can't pass. I mean, I'm old. I sound no. old. <laughs> the no. slip in the pass is not there like it used to be. Um, it's not. No. I agree with you. you can't and what do you do? I, players like the ball screen. That's why I was just talking about it. I think we watch the NBA and the effectiveness of that, but then we think that that will trickle down. And in high school, it's to me, it's way too easy just to switch and be – Switch or jump out. it. If you jump yeah, it, right. three one. guards in the state of Wisconsin, if I jump it hard, they're going to be able to get out of it or make a pass. So you spend all your time working on breakdown drills for the side pick and roll, hit the roll right. guy, rescreen, but and you get jumped – you can't, it's hard to simulate that. And, right. and the coach, I know a lot of coaches that once you jump it two or three times, they don't want to do it. Right. Oh. And the pro, and, and the issue is too, is like, you're, we're dealing with high school kids. The kid might be yeah. five, nine. Right. <laughs> He's getting you can like go kids. under everything almost right. anyway. Not a lot of kids shooting off a dribble for three. No. I mean, I like the idea. I mean, but I don't think it's as effective because of the skill level. I mean, right. I, and I think the higher up, the more it is. So, so you've done a couple of videos. You got, a, you got a new book coming out. What's the book? Yeah. Talk about the book. Well, a bit. you know, it's funny. I wrote, yeah, the books. Um, I wrote one. It's called Youth Basketball, uh, the Drills for Ball Toughness. I wrote a book. Uh, basically, we were talking about passing. I think it's the most underdeveloped uh, fundamental. I know everybody has a cone and a basketball, and they do all these great dribbling. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the discussion we're having with Lee. Um, there's there, – Everything that we're talking about, we're going to put in the resource notes. Um, if you're liking our podcast, please go over and subscribe and like. Please leave a review. Those really mean a lot for us. I'm, you know, part of the reasons I started teachhoops.com um, and part of the reason I started this podcast is I wanted things that I would have wanted in my 20s and 30s. This is exactly what I would have wanted. I would have wanted a mentor. I would have wanted something to listen to when I'm walking the dog. I would have wanted something like that. And that's what I'm trying to give you. You know, I'm, my podcasts tend to be very conversational. They tend to be questions that I want answered. You know, I go down one, one road and then, ooh, I end up going down a different road. That's the way. That's why, I, that's why these podcasts at this point are, are the way that they are. So um, please go over and check us out, teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Go over and leave a review. Please, 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 please. All right, let's get back to the episode. Basketball, and they do all these great dribbling drills. Um, like, passing, you know, it's that's a whole different podcast. Trust me, dribbling. It's like I, if you, let's let's do our seventeen and one moves, and you know how many times you're going to do them in a game? None. You're going to travel once, if, or if you or have the, a cone yeah. guarding you, then you're going to be a really good player. Yes, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I remember I watched Rex Walters. You probably don't know who that is. You, I mean, not you. I mean, some of the listeners may not know. He was a, he played at Kansas uh, half a year in the NBA. Great two-ball dribble guy. Did everything with the two-ball dribbles. Tim Hardaway couldn't do a two-ball dribble drill. Right. And I think we know who he'd rather have playing point for us. It has to do more with contact, I think. Right. Teaching kids possession with contact with their head up. Right. That's my – like, I don't know about you, what you think, but that was like a big focus for me. Get, you know, being able to be strong with the ball, take contact, not lose it, and still be in uh, – have poise. Right. You know, all these two-ball dribble, it, it – I don't know. I think it helps to some level, but I think – I think it, it initially helps. Like, it's helping – it's helped my son, who's going to be uh, a sophomore. <clears throat> it's helped him initially. Now, to the point where he's competent with the ball. Yep. Now we got to get him stronger. So. Yeah. I think I think it's the part of the progression. The problem is it's the beginning part of the progression. Right. People spending time when they shouldn't be. They should have moved back. 
beyond that to something else. Um, I think so. I, we don't have to talk much about it, but I know that you're the same way. I'm sure you see players that once they master something, they want to stick, you know, it's human nature. Right. What you're good at to go and stay with it. And that's the same thing in coaching. If uh, I would tell young coaches, if you love coaching post players, you need to go learn how to coach the guards. Or if right. you feel like you're a, uh, a zone guy or whatever you you need to try to experience the other side if nothing else it helps you learn how to guard it right. that was what I tried to do in you coach when you started I wanted to learn everything about offense everything I could because I was like I may not like it but I want to have it as an option and plus right. I want to know how it doesn't work and so you don't need 8,000 different unique drills either that's the thing is find something right. use a skill well tweak it and you can't give them ice cream for dinner every night I realize that but you can tweak things that are good your core you know yeah that's why I was going to get back to the books if you want that's why I put your book out yeah I put out a book about uh, Kansas Bill Self his high low the dribble ball screen offense and how to run that I'm selling those I, I gave them away at the start but then I tried to sell them on Amazon really cheap like four bucks or something right. um, I, you know they're over 100 pages and I took all the offense and basically broke it down, and then I broke down how to teach it. I think you can buy a lot of uh, playbooks that add plays, and then you're like, how do I teach it? Why does it work? Where does it work? And what kind of players? And I was wanting to do that sort of a give back, I guess. And I did that with the dribble drive. I'm doing that with the uh, Spurs and uh, Golden State Warriors right now. I'm doing a new book on that that will be coming out. But uh, my big thing on the Princeton, it's uh, coachprincetonbasketball.com. That's my website. Um, you know, and if you're interested in the books, that's on coachdeforest.com. So I usually give away, uh, you know, when I first published the book on Amazon, I'll, I'll have like three days. They let me give them away free. Right. And I just thought it once that I, you know, I, I'm just trying to help. I mean, you know. So, yeah. So, so everyone that's, so I usually tell people are driving, they're, 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 they're driving, they're jogging, they're doing something when they listen to podcasts, where people sit in their living room and listen to a podcast. Sure. So what I will do is when we're done, I, you will email me all your contact stuff and I'll put it down in the show notes for people. So, you know, keep running fast is what I tell people on these podcasts. Keep going. Um, <laughs> keep working. It's working. Keep running. Do some sprint stuff. You want to lose that belly fat. I've just read an article on that. So don't do the long distances, do some sprint work. But anyway, yeah, that's true. Uh, it is true. So I'll put it all in the show notes, everything, all his contact information, all this stuff down there. So when people um, are listening to this and they go back and they get home and they want to find your stuff, they can. Um, sure. All right. Is there anything else on your journey? Then I'm going to go through my questions. Yeah. Well, not really. I think what I would tell uh, younger coaches that, uh, that are probably waiting on your turn. It will, I promise that it'll come. The opportunity will come. The one that you're waiting on You need to do the best job you can where you're at yep. and you have to be willing to take a risk a little bit. I think it's more valuable. I don't know how you feel about it. Getting head coaching experience as young as you can, regardless of win and loss. Yep. Go in there, learn what it takes to run a program, learn what it takes to deal with parents, fundraise, um, all that kind of thing. I mean, I, you I think that's have to move. Experience. You and might have to change quick. jobs. Yeah, that's right. Don't. Yeah, I, I, I know some coaches that have been assistants for twenty years, waiting on the head coach to retire or something like that. And I, I respect that, but that was never for me. And I think it's more fun to get out, and make a bunch of mistakes, and learn from it and grow. And yep. Uh, yep. you know, I think it's the most valuable thing. It's not necessarily what basketball brings to you; it's what you learn through basketball. Right. You know, you know and I, I didn't get the first head job I applied for. 
I was, I was an assistant oh, or I was an assistant or six or seven. I, yeah, I was a, an assistant or six or seven guys. I'm going to tell you, and I've said this before on the podcast, I took a piece of each of them and that became right. me. You know, I like this. I don't like any of this. Right. I, this. I mean, that's what you need to do. And if you, if you, if you only work for one person, if you don't experience being, you, you got to go experience. And that, that's what, what we talked about before on this is you got to go out and work camps You'll meet other guys. You'll agree with some of them. You won't agree with some of them. It's right. just, that's part of the, you know, and you'll know who, what, the kind of guy you want to work for someday. Because you want to be a head coach at the college level, you're going to be an assistant and you're going to be a recruiter before that can happen. That's exactly you know? right. That's that's the different – that's the only difference, uh, you know, is the recruiting piece. And that's such a huge piece. We don't even have to have time to go into that. Right. But, but that's, that's – I mean, cool. if you can't recruit and you're an assistant, you don't have a job. You don't have a job, and it's all about recruiting. I mean, it's you have to win that game before you step out in the court. And there's a few guys like Bo Ryan, right? That, that they're exceptional. So I wouldn't plan. I mean, you may be exceptional if you're listening to this podcast, yeah. but I wouldn't set myself up to say I'm just going to be one of the top ten greatest teachers of the game in history. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there's two types of coaches. There's coaches with players, and there's ex coaches. That's true. <laughs> Good way to look all, at it. You can have all the X's and O's. You better have some players first that you need yeah. to keep them the X's and O's. Yeah, that's that's the biggest lesson, too. Uh, when I was taking these early jobs, I'd worked for Travis Ford uh, as a student assistant uh, for two years there when he first started at Eastern Kentucky. Went on to Oklahoma State, you know, was at UMass for a while now at St. Louis. Um, and he had guys on staff like, John Brannon, who's now the head coach at Northern Kentucky, they were in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Chad Dollar, who's now at uh, South Florida. I mean, he had a – I didn't know at the time. You know, I'm, right. I didn't know. I, my dad coached for 30 years. I helped my dad. I learned from my dad. Then I went and right. played. I was wanting to be a coach. I knew that much, you know. And so, I just – I was like, I couldn't play at the Division One level. Right. I knew that. So, I was like, hey, let me be a part. But learning from those guys and seeing that is exactly what you said. I think I can handle it there. I see. But their vision, you do have to have vision, I think, and belief in yourself and know why you're doing it. Right. Um, Doing it for – to say money is a hilarious statement, but if you're doing it just to, hey, look at me, ego reasons, it's going to be difficult to get out there and still stick with it. Because early on, if you're a head coach, it's going to be tough to get one of those good jobs. I mean, you're going to have to pay your dues. Yep. And move around and, like you said, sacrifice. So you're going to have to sacrifice. All right, yep. let's go through some of the questions I got here real quick before we do sure. my rapid fire. So if you could only do three things at practice, what would they be? Only three? Only three. That's such a – that's a good question. Are you talking about drills, plays? I'm just saying uh, – the, the <laughs> you're not the first one to be frustrated. I'm just saying you I can only do three things at practice. You can only do three things at practice. Okay, offense, defense, and whatever transition. you want. They could be drill, whatever. That's the three things I would work on: offense, okay. defense, transition. Okay, that's fine. No one's <laughs> no, answered I mean, that way. I, yeah, that, isn't that funny? What else is there? But no, I, I like if if I only could do three things in a short amount of time. One of the drills that I got that I from uh, San Antonio that I heard Coach Bobovich once, and he he said he loved this drill. So I was like, okay, he loves a drill. Let me write this down. Um, he, he would play – he would have scrimmage games running your offense, okay, but he would have it called stop and score. So, the only way you can score a point is if you get a defensive stop and your team scores on the other end. And so, you had to get three to win the game. So, you put ten minutes on the clock, 
both teams go, but you don't. So if you get a stop, but then you don't score, it doesn't count. So you have to get a stop and score. And what he said is he's practicing his team to make runs. He said, because the NBA is such a game of runs, um, I'm practicing my team to make runs. So when I call timeout, let's get a stop and a score. Use the same terminology. I thought that was a brilliant drill. And again, I'm going to add to this because I I run a variation of this. Yeah, go ahead. I call call it stop, score, stop. Okay. So we got to stop them. So my yeah. guys, we'll, we'll be in a timeout, and I go, hey, we almost got this. We need a stop, we need a score, and we need a stop. And they're dead. We got them. Yep. So we do that. And then I'll also play the game where it's a score, stop, score. But usually it's stop, score. Because think about it down the stretch. What do you really need mm-hmm. to do? You need to stop them. Yeah, that's right. You need to get a score, and then you need to stop them again, and then you're in control. You know, those three possessions kill them. And that's the game we play. It's similar to – it's similar to that. Um, it's great. I mean, my yeah, guys, if I say yeah. that, stop, score, stop, they just their eyes just get about this big because they know <laughs> we're going to win this Especially thing. Especially when you've been working on it and they have that mentality. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that drill. I know uh, there's a lot of coaches do variations. we got to get three stops in a row and stuff. And I think, I think eventually that's difficult yeah. to do. And yeah. I think players buddy up. Yeah. Uh, help get through the drill sometimes but yeah I think the other drill is a simple one everybody's done you know the four on the baseline the transition drill yeah you you know, you're working on constant transitions or you're working on your offense and defense and outnumber situations and talking I think you can get a lot done in that drill it's a simple drill but if you do it right you get one or two back and you're sprinting back you're protecting the lane you're matching up hands up you can work on all your defensive principles with the added element of transition, I think I would, you know, I would do that. Yep. Uh, but I don't know. Finally, I, I think if you work on, uh, you know, I think I work on special situations every day. Uh, it just depends on, you know, I, I'll do weird places to take the ball out, time and score situations. But yep. I think you got to work on that every day because everything <laughs> else, keep nothing going, else keep matters, going. Coach. Nothing else matters when – you're working on all these different drills. We got a whole playbook of drills. We got 500 drills, okay? Yep. And you graded all the drills, but when it comes down to it, does your team know what to do? 30 seconds left, up four, 30 seconds left, down three. I mean, you know, and if you don't and you try to explain it and they don't know how to, there's another skill of looking at the board and translating that board. What if you use a board? Some coaches don't. I, I think you have to, but I do. Draw up on the board and being able to translate that to the court. And I think if you don't work on that skill, it's It's crazy. So two things that you mentioned, so I don't forget. First one is talking, lost art, lost art, lost art. If you don't talk, you don't play for me. That's the first thing. And then I went and grabbed my big stack. These are, these are um, three by fives. Each of them has a different situation. So I have like, I don't know, like two, 300. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting waiting for my kids. I'll write down a situation. Like the first one says 30 seconds left. I don't even know. I'd have to read up to, you know, mm-hmm. and it gives a score. It gives where they're on the bonus, blah, blah, blah. And I've, I've made these up over the last 10 years. Yeah. And I'll go over to my assistant and say, go grab three of them. Because I don't, I don't want to know either. Right. <laughs> I don't want fun. the kids. And then we put it up on the board. We go. And it's just, it's, it's That's fun. putting them in a I, situation. I need to be more fun with mine. I was more, re- I, I feel like more regimented. I had a, I had a, uh, like a playbook base, uh, a separate thing. And I had all the time in score situations. And then, I just always had it with me and uh, the assistant too. But I practiced uh, – you have to pr- – I practiced drawing up, you know, those sets, learning those things. And, and it's good to have a multiple – one set that works against man and zone. And I'm right. sure you did the same thing where, okay, your best player's fouled out, he's fouled out, or he's out. 
Yeah, they're all – and I think that's something else that uh, – we talked about talking, we talked about transition defense, and then the third thing, I think, special situations, which is a whole other podcast. But Yeah, yeah that's a whole other thing. All right, so um, if you could go back to yourself as a younger coach and you could only tell yourself one thing, what would you tell yourself? I think be patient. Uh, I think that uh, there's no question that I was impatient. I felt like – well, I mean, you worked. I worked for a guy that was one step away from, you know, Rick Pitino, mm-hmm. and he was emulating everything I think that he'd learned from him. And so you feel like this certain level of confidence that you have that doesn't necessarily translate to the high school game. You know, right. uh, you know, it's a whole different mentality because you, like I said before, you try to mimic the people that you learn this game from. You try to emulate what they do and uh and when you get older you realize okay that's probably not the best way i could have handled that because i'll tell you this the first team i was ever the coach i was a head coach uh man i'm sorry if you guys are listening uh (laughs) it was it was a rough um it was rough for them just because the standard was so high and we didn't have a lot of talent but i tell you what they worked hard one of the teams i'm most proud of that i ever coached but and I'm sure you have teams like yeah. that too. Maybe didn't look great. If you looked at it on a stat, or you looked at it in a newspaper, you'd be like, "That was nothing." But if you look back at what they were able to do, and a lot of it had to do with because we were so young, you know, sophomores right. trying to play in a varsity game. But that's what I would tell myself. I would say, "Hey, listen, be patient. It's going to work out." Okay. If you could, if you could, in one sentence, say your coaching philosophy, what would that be? Yeah, one sentence. I would say. Uh, I would say uh, no turnovers, no turnovers, no layups, good shots. That's always the big three that I always – like I told my team every – that's what we worked on. We're not ever – I had a game where we had uh, one turnover. That was as close as I ever was to perfect in a, in a, in a game because we worked on it every day. Right. All toughness stuff and, and that kind of thing. It's but, a math teacher in me too. It's like every time you turn the ball over, it's a six-point turnaround. It's yeah. three we can score, and it's three they can score. That shift is huge, guys. We don't even have a shot. So, I'm that's big. It. That's a big Bo Ryan thing. Yeah. Um, if you could talk to one coach for one hour, who would it be and why? Well, do they um, – Anybody. The guy that's passed on, that, yeah, that I, that I really enjoyed, I, I went to his camps when I was young, Don Meyer. Uh, he was a really big influence of me when I was uh, – seventh grade coach I'm telling you I went to his camp at Lipscomb I lived in Kentucky and it was a life-changing experience for me this guy so wise um just a man before a, his time wasn't he I mean oh I don't know God. how to describe I mean when you try to describe him to somebody it's like imagine the smartest guy you know and the most aggressive and he's also like a general patent in a way but he also loves you i don't know right it's crazy and the, and the thing is i got i got i'm looking over here at these vhs tapes that i still haven't gotten rid of of don meyer all of and, them and i got blue and purple sheets 30 of them oh, yeah. i mean and you got all this stuff he was he was mr information he would have died in the web if it had been the web would have been around when he, he would have like it would have been too much for him yeah, he's the only guy I knew. Like he'd be at practice, and he had a uh, one of the, he had a voice recorder too. He would hold it up to he was he would talk to himself during practice, and then go listen to himself. I mean, he uh, he was really uh, he was a great coach, though. He was a yeah. guy that if I had a conversation, I would still I think you could learn from. I think so too. Do you have any superstitions? Uh, 
I can't – well, I tell you what. One is it's kind of – I don't know if it's a superstition, but anytime I had a new job, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you seen Hoosiers before? <laughs> <laughs> you know when he says uh, – he walks out in his first new job and he says, welcome to Indiana basketball. Yeah. I say that same thing every time I, I – because I've had like nine jobs. Every time I have a, the first game at home that we walk out into the – in the tunnel i don't care where you're at right it's a special feeling i, I mean it really is it's it all is. the work and it's it's you know it's like your time to shine and i always say that it's so funny walking through the door i always said uh i just i guess it's a superstition it's always been lucky for me but welcome to indiana basketball even if i'm in if i'm in florida but it doesn't just, matter yeah i guess it's a superstition but it just reminds me you know of all the great times that i had and and that kind of thing. So. Okay. So I'm, I know the answer to part of this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because I ask everybody, if you could run one offense and one defense for an entire game, what would it be? So I'm guessing well, it would be Princeton. Well, I you know, yeah, I mean, I do, I do love the Princeton. I, it, depend, it would depend on what level. I really like what Golden State does and the motion and stuff in San Antonio. I've really – like, if I, if I was at a higher level, right. I mean, I think the Princeton um, – if I was in high school – yeah, and uh, I think the Princeton with more transition. Okay. I've been working on, uh, uh, you know, there's ways the NBA doesn't get transition. But one defense, I mean, I think if you do a good job of it, I think man-to-man defense. I mean, uh, I – High school I've, kids don't adjust, though. That's the – I changed defenses. I didn't last year because we couldn't. I mean, we didn't need to. But kids – high school kids don't adjust to change well. That's why I think sometimes – That's true. No, I and I think that's Hubie Brown – uh, philosophy. I was thinking if I was coaching, like I always wanted my base to be that. And I played right. a one, three, one, I played a matchup, but I always had to come back to, and I, and it's sort of a, a pack defense in a way it's a, you know, and because in high school, it, there's no reason to create offense for the other team because you're trying to get a steal and gambling. Right. right. I, most of the time, if you get a hand up and box out and you're not out of position, you'll win the day on those possessions. If you're you'll back win on most, the, yeah, you'll win yeah, most of so. them. Um, if you could change one thing about basketball, what would it be? <clears throat> what level? Doesn't matter. At the NBA level, it's it's not even it's it's entertainment now. I think uh, it's a it's a hard thing. It's the highest level of basketball with the you know the the uh, most talented players athletically, but some of the things they do with the ball now, it's yeah, you can't do that in high school. Some of the ways they set like watch a ball screen, it's like a mugging. They go and lift it. They they move all the screeners are constantly moving and roll. And I I think I would make it more physical on the ball, so guys would actually have to learn how to make a shot challenged instead right. of just running downhill all day. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just a different game now. I, I think, think the courts, and I've said this on other podcasts, I think the court's too small. For the, the NBA guys. I think yeah. the, for the NBA guys. I, and I think the basket needs to go up. I mean. Really? Oh, these guys aren't normal. That's true. They're not. I mean, Wesley 6'4", six, Steph Curry 6'3", and they look like little boys out there. Yeah, that, that is true. They look it would, it would hurt my heart, though, if I, you know, if you move the rim up too much, I couldn't touch it. I, would feel I know. I mean, I, I, and I'm not saying necessarily move it up, but it, I know it, what you're saying. They're not, they're not normal. But isn't it weird? Like, I think it should be a little more physical at the NBA level, a little less physical at the high school and college level. And that, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
freedom yeah. of movement. And that, they always say that. If it, they, they tell you that, yeah, hey, this year, guys, we're going to call the hand check. Yeah, yeah they we're say gonna, that at the beginning of the year. Can't bump them through the lane, yeah. and then in, and then you get the tournament play, and it's like you know, no blood, no foul. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. like that's probably what I, I would change. Okay. All right. So I'm going to do rapid fire. So these are going to be quick questions, and you just got to give me you're the first thing that jumps in your head. Okay. What's your favorite basketball? Uh, with the old Baden ones. Oh, really? Yeah. You might be the first. Per, you might be the first person to say that. I grew up with that. So. Okay. All right. I like the Rock now, but we don't use it. I we use Spalding, but. I mean, all oh. those. Yeah, it's a. It, that's what they use the state tournament. So we use what they use the state tournament. All right. One word to describe your ideal player. Tough. Toughness. Toughness. Okay. Uh, one sporting event you could go to. Game seven, NBA finals. Mm, that's two in a row on that one. Um, uh, favorite pregame meal? I don't eat a lot pregame. I eat. I don't really eat much that day. I eat after the game, so. <laughs> I, I always tell my guys it's better to be a little hungry than too full when you play. Yeah, I just – I can't I, – I don't know. I I never find – I probably eat a cheeseburger two seconds, like, after school, and then I'm focused on the okay. game. Okay. Uh, one thing you do to relax. To relax? Oh, man. I don't know. I like to – I think I, these podcasts, I like to try to write the books. I read about basketball or watch it at some uh, – you know, I, I guess that's relaxing with the basketball. Um, you know, I used to, uh, you know, go fishing, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I but, used to fish and golf, too, before I coached. And I yeah. Do those. All right, uh, best basketball player you have seen in person? Well, Michael Jordan. I got to see him uh, once in person. But um, if you're going to count who I played against, I would say Damian Fishback. He ended up playing at Auburn. He was a beast. He's a beast. All right, best player of all time. Michael Jordan. Okay. He's, he's got like 97%. Not sure why I ask that question anymore. I don't mind you asking. Uh, it could be an interesting debate if somebody said something different. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, one thing that helped you become a better coach? Studying, learning, contacting other coaches. Okay. Uh, best game you have seen in person? The 2011 double overtime state championship that we won. There you go. Mine was mine is we won in triple overtime, state finals. It's crazy. Kid called a timeout and didn't have one. A Weber thing happened in the second overtime. It wasn't my kid. Thank right. Goodness. All right. One word to describe your coaching style. I've never been asked that. I'd say fun. Okay. Uh, one book you would recommend. You can recommend your own. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, mine are more, mine are more focused on a coach that wants to like learn a play style. Right. But I think as a coach, I think "Leading from the Heart" by Coach K is a great book. Ooh, that's, on, that's on the shelf back here. Hey, when I, always, I, always say this, I always do this one stuff. Yeah, from Dick Davincio. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good one, especially for kids. More for I mean, it, it teaches you kind of. I've like, read some of his. Uh, I tell you what, um, it's a football book, When Pride Still Mattered, about Ooh. Vince Lombardi. How have I not read that one? Okay. Yeah. Marinus, David Marinus. Marinus. It's a great book. It tells yeah. about 
if you're a coach and you want to learn, like, this guy, you know, what he did, and he kept it simple. He didn't always pick something new. He was just going to run the sweep and be great at it. And it, it, it's just amazing the book is. so. Yep. Um, one thing you would tell a young coach. Okay, coach this job the way that you are going to be coaching it. Ooh, that's good. I like that. All right, anything else, Coach? So well, are all your books available? I know yeah, yeah, all of them are available. I mean, uh, coachthefors.com, I always just put my new books there. Okay. Um, I just, like I said, if you sign up, I have a newsletter that I send out. Like, I don't spam. I send Anytime I have a new book, I'll send it to the people that signed up for it, and they can get it free. So, I mean, it's, you know, I just put new books out all the time. So, Gosh, you're, where do you get all this time? Do you sleep? Not a lot. I, I'm telling you, I have, I've just got this bug. I, there's 10 books that I want to do, and I know what they are. And okay. when I get that done, I'll be, I'll be okay. You'll I'm be good. Three, I'm, I'm on four right now. So. All right. All right. Well, thank you, for, thank you for being on. I really appreciate this. I mean, I can always tell when it's a good one when, when I'm looking up and it's like, going, holy crud, we've just been talking for an hour about hoops. So I really appreciate you being on. Um, and I'll put all the stuff in show notes in the bottom for everybody that needs it. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Yep. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed uh, that great podcast. We're talking, talking with Lee there. Um, everything we talked about, all that stuff is going to be down in the show notes, all his books and all those kind of things that he referred to. Um, you know, what a great resource for all of you that are getting in or starting the coaching career or doing wherever you are in your coaching career. Um, go over and check it out. I would ask that you go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. I would also ask that you maybe subscribe and like and leave a five-star. Um, you know, I keep hounding on that, but, you know, it really does matter as far as, you know, if you look at a lot of podcasts out there, there's a lot of podcasts that, that start and then they die because no one's listening, which isn't the case in this one because there are a lot of people listening. Um, but the, the bigger issue is that, you know, um, People want input. I, I want to know that people are listening. I want to know people that like it. If they don't like it, I just want to know that. And it also helps um, us move up the ranking so more people can find us. And that's all, that's all I want. I want more people to be able to find this and, and learn about this great game that gave me so much. So have a great week. Um, and especially for all you teachers, back to work. Sports Social Podcast Network.